0: Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsors. The Angler Magazine of the Great Smoky Mountains and the Upstate covers fishing and outdoor-related activity from Knoxville, Tennessee to Abington, Virginia, all the way down to Columbia, South Carolina, and everything in between. They are a local magazine with national reach. The Angler Magazine of the Great Smoky Mountains and the Upstate is ready to take you on your adventure to the outdoors. Sunrift Adventures and Historic Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, has been outfitting the foothills for over 37 years. With the best boats, bikes, tents, and more. With great brands, Sunrift has you covered for every adventure. Stop into Sunrift Adventures' unique outdoor shop and say hello today. Go to sunrift.com for more information. That's sunrift.com. The Angler Magazine of the Great Smoky Mountains and the Upstate covers fishing and outdoor-related activity from Knoxville, Tennessee to Abington, Virginia, all the way down to Columbia, South Carolina, and everything in between. They are a local magazine with national reach. The Angler Magazine of the Great Smoky Mountains and the Upstate is ready to take you on your adventure to the outdoors.
1: Choose your adventure with French Broad Adventures. Zipline canopy tours, whitewater rafting, calm water float trips, canyoneering adventures, they've got it all. Best of all, French Broad Adventures are the only raft-zip combo close enough to Asheville that you can experience and make it back to town in time for dinner. Take advantage of their vacation package and save on all the thrills, chills, and occasional spills into the water. For more information or to book your adventure, visit FrenchBroadAdventures.com.
0: Wilkesboro, North Carolina, located in the rolling foothills of northwest North Carolina, is a paradise for outdoor enthusiasts. More than 40 miles of intense mountain biking trails, serene river tubing, record fishing, thrilling disc golf, and epic hikes, all located within minutes of their historic and charming downtown district with monthly concerts, movies, and events. To learn more, visit explorewilkesboro.com. Back for more of Matt and Michelle outdoors, and uh, really excited to introduce you to uh, our next guest here on the program. We've been trying to get together for a little while now, and we finally pulled it off. But we have uh, with us on the—do uh, uh, we say the guest line? The you know—I don't know how we even do it now that we're using the home studio. But Tim Camisa, he is the—he um, is the protege, the founder, the centerpiece of Trout and Feather, and welcome to Matt and Michelle
2: outdoors. Hi, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Michelle. It's great to be here, and you guys are just doing just you know some phenomenal stuff, um, really helping out people of Appalachia and just kind of getting their voices and your own out there, not just in that little niche of the radio, but it's great that you're doing this via podcast too. And I'm really honored to be on the show with you.
0: Well, and Thank you know you. one of the things that um, we were talking before, you know, during the commercial break, we were having a conversation a little bit, and we really started this show as a service to people um, in the outdoor economy, you know, people that are supplying the gear and the um, experiences and the guidance and everything for the outdoors, as well as giving a platform to get people into the outdoors more. Mm -hmm. And so um, you are a perfect fit for us to introduce to our listeners across this region uh, because of what you're doing. But also, um, where are you from located? Aren't you in the Carolinas? Am I right in presuming that?
2: You are not. It's Funny mm-hmm. that you say that because I have a YouTube channel and we'll get into that you know in, in a little bit. But I receive emails, I receive text messages, DMs from people all around the country asking me to be a featured presenter or a speaker at their event. And we're talking about Montana, California, and they <laughs> all believe I'm from their area. Yeah, but I live in Western Good job. Pennsylvania. Good job. No, I, I, it's oh. crazy, but. I, I know it, it kind of people will just say hey can you stop over this week we have a, a presentation on Tuesday night and I'm like where are you and they say well we're in Michigan I'm like I'm in western Pennsylvania so I don't think that's going to work out.
0: And you know what I know why I was thinking you were from the Carolinas because it was um it was someone in our you know, community, uh, outdoor community from the Charlotte area that introduced me to you and your platform. And that's how I found my way to you and saw what you were doing. And and we're looking forward to having a conversation about what you do and, and again, introducing you to our listeners because I think you bring so much value... To what you 're doing for folks um, you know it's it 's got components of education and entertainment and art <laughs> and everything it, all in it, so it 's great
1: it makes me just jump off and want to want to ask about the the fishing in your area there what what kind of um, you know, fly fishing you can do when you just go down to your local
2: pond. Is that- yeah, well, that's the great- local creeks. <laughs> yeah, the local the local creeks as we call them in yes. Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, number one, I love the fish. I love the fly fish too, and I'll, I'll kind of preface that about ninety five percent of my fishing is fly fishing. But it seems like whenever I I go out, I tend to drive about two hours to central Pennsylvania to fly fish exclusively for trout for brown trout for wild trout. That's kind of really what gets me extremely excited. But um, with, you know, everything going on with, with today and the pandemic, that's kind of shifted it. And we have so much, we have really exceptional fishing all across the country, not just in Western Pennsylvania, but We've been kind of forced to stay a little bit more local over the last few weeks, right. and it's it's definitely shifted things. Plus, my wife loves to fly fish. I have a four year old son who enjoys it as well. So even you know, last night we were at a local pond. We were fishing. Um, we thought there might be some trout that had been stocked, but instead we were catching largemouth bass and bluegill and having a great time That's doing a great stuff. Time too,
0: yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, well, let's talk about trout and feather a little bit. Um, tell people what it is and how it came to be.
2: You got it. Well. I've been involved in fly fishing and and fly tying for about 30 years, and it's been crazy to kind of realize I've been in it that long. I I took my first class when I was around 10 years old and have just been addicted ever since. Trout and feather is kind of the evolution of me wanting to to help people out because I love fly fishing. I love everything about it, and I just wanted to really just connect with the culture. Um, In my mid-20s, I became a fly fishing guide in New York for a couple seasons in the summertime because nine months out of the year... I'm a sixth grade math teacher. Well, for those three months, I wanted to spend as much time fly fishing. But what I realized was that as I'm guiding, I'm not able to to do all that fishing myself. So I thought, well, this is, you know, I'm teaching, I'm I'm guiding, where's my fishing time? So I basically took a step back, kind of re-examined things. A friend wanted some help tying a fly. And it was when YouTube was kind of in its infancy. Um, I put a little video out there just to help him out, even though it was generic in in the, the audience, and just forgot about it, maybe made two or three. And a couple months later, I started getting these notifications that I was up to a hundred views and I had 20 subscribers. And, and I didn't even know what was what that what that meant. <laughs> and I was just kind of geeked out and I thought, well, let's just kind of see where this goes. And I had, you know, very low expectations. It was more just about sharing my enthusiasm of fly fishing and fly tying with others. I have an educational background because I've been a teacher for, you know, for about 20 years. So I, I brought that component in as well. And, and I also enjoyed telling a little bit about the flies more so than just how to fish it, but maybe it's originator or, or right. some effective ways that you can vary it. And I've kind of carved out a little niche in YouTube. And I realized that YouTube was a great platform, but I also needed a better way to house all my videos. So I started a website. and Then it's just kind of grown from there. That's, that's kind yeah. of the evolution of trout and feather.
0: Well, and, you know, your education background, like I was saying, it's one of the components that you bring to what you're doing that I think is really well done. And the fact that not only are you visually presenting things in such a very, you know, standout way... But also, um, you know, getting to see fish where people go, wow, I wish I could catch fish like that. I mean, you know, your library of brown and rainbow trout are (laughs) jaw-dropping, you know, when you see the photos. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, we're into video and audio production, too. So we know what goes into getting that quality shot, Um, you know, but... But you also educate people not just about how to catch fly uh, how to catch fish, but also about the fly, about the hatch, about mm. the presentation about you know you're, you're bringing in an environmental education a natural education to it as well and that 's what stands out to me as being special is that not only can people be entertained but they're learning as they go so I, you know as a consumer, as someone who's new to your platform over the last couple of months, that stood out to me mm. before I knew that you were a teacher for your day job. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, thanks. And I can tell you, it's it's definitely difficult because whenever I think about my own experiences, we'll just say sharing these YouTube videos. There's been an evolution where it started here and it's kind of grown. And I've never mm-hmm. put myself out there as an expert, but I've also never really said, "Come along for the journey." But in my mind, it's just been a journey. But now, what's what's a little bit difficult with it as I've you know invested more time, more energy into everything fly tying and fly fishing, as my own, my own experiences have expanded, so has my skill set, so has my expertise. And it's tricky because I want to bring people up to that level. But I also know that I have so many people who are just beginners or who are interested in, in jumping in, and, and they want to jump in at the beginning as well. And I can't say, hey, go back to video one, because uh-huh. that's 250 <laughs> videos ago. and th- right. that's, So it's, it's really a fine balance into each video to really say, how can I make something in this video that... A bunch of groups will will get something out of, including the advanced group, that intermediate and that beginner group.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's that kind of how tricky. what we've been doing because Michelle has just started with spin cast fishing. Yeah, with, our, with artificials, she's she hadn't done that, you know. And so, I grew
1: up bait fishing on the Gulf Coast. Yeah, and, um, and
0: saltwater fishing and everything. Yeah. So, you know, here's me, the seasoned former you know tournament fisherman and TV fishing show guy, and <laughs> and here she is, like okay click the bail over, you know, and well, so people are able uh, to go, God, go on the journey with us. Yeah. <laughs> but you talk about the quarantine too. We want to talk about the business side of things because your schedule us- was is usually packed. You're traveling all over the country for different events and everything. And, and now with the coronavirus um, precautions and everything, a lot of postponements, a lot of cancellations. I know you've got a big Iceland trip that's coming up that you have planned for this summer. Um, but talk about the impact um, from the business side of how you're having To adjust and maintain the platform when you have such a reduced bubble of exposure?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks, Matt. I I think kind of I have to look at this question from a couple avenues because I'm primarily known as this online presence. So whenever I think about it from social media, for me, my YouTube channel, if I would open up my analytics and share it with everybody, they've grown tremendously over the last month just because everybody's home, they're consuming videos. Mm -hmm. People who maybe would spend more time outside or, or saying, what can I do inside now? And fly tying is something that many people, maybe they've heard about or they, they've wanted to jump into. It's just an incredible you know hobby for them to get into. So from that perspective, I've been really putting out more YouTube videos because I'm able to now. And and mm-hmm. we're all confined at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, we're still teaching every day remotely, but I'm able to, to still maintain that social media presence. But then from that other aspect, I really believe that social media will get you so far, but you have to connect with people. And just... You know, talk to them. And, and I, really, I, I really enjoy doing that almost as much, if not more so, than the social media side. In fact, absolutely more so. So I've really made it a point over the last few years to become more of a featured presenter at some of the major fly fishing shows around the country. Um, I'm hosting you know fly fishing trips around the world. And it's great to, to meet up with these, I, I don't want to say locals, but that's really what it is. Smaller mm-hmm. Trot Unlimited clubs, smaller fishing clubs all around the country. And it's just really unique to walk into a, you know a space with twenty-five to fifty people, maybe upwards of two hundred, and then just have these discussions that revolve around catching fish on these tiny flies. And it's it's yeah. hysterical. But now with all the changes, you know, we've had to obviously postpone all those events. I mean, there was one that my my we'll say the, the one that kind of just was was about to hit right at the beginning of all this was in Ohio, and about a block from where the, the presentation was to occur. They had a, you know, an individual there that that came down with COVID. So we immediately said, you know, this is over fly fishing. We're not going to have, you know, jeopardize people who, you know, over something so minute in the grand scheme of things. But it's also kind of shifted my thinking into how can we have some of these meetings go down remotely? And I've been fortunate where a couple groups have reached out to me and we've done some Instagram lives where I'm able to still tie flies. The quality of the video is not quite as, you know, up to snuff as I would prefer, but I'm still able to at least connect with some of these individuals have conversations in real time and you know kind of move forward too so it 's been neat to at least examine some other avenues and some other ways right. that we can connect with people
0: well and what we 're finding too some of the feedback and I mean we 've just started on the YouTube side of things you know and with Facebook and everything we 've just started that stuff up. And what's interesting is the people that are getting in touch that they so appreciate being able to see these natural areas. It's like they're vicar- you know, they're vicariously yeah. enjoying the outdoors. Um, you know, we still get out, we find the places, we have the opportunity to have the time because this is what we do. I mean, this this is our job, you know, as yes, broadcasters. Absolutely. And so we're able to have the time to carve out and do these little short videos. But like there was one I did where all I did is just set up the GoPro on my headset. you know. I just had it on my forehead, and I I paddled around casting for 30 minutes or something and posted the video. And some of the feedback I got was just like, oh, my goodness, I used to fish that lake when I was a kid, and oh, thank you for that, and hearing the birds and seeing the ducks and the sound of the casting and the sound of the water on the canoe. And it just means a lot to folks, and that, in turn, means a lot to us. Do you get that same kind of feeling? Because I know we have a lot of folks. We're we're sensitive to people that are going through mobility challenges or medical situations yeah, that are homebound,
1: which I I have, and so I've had to kind of. This this whole thing started with um, Matt and Michelle Outdoors is because um, when I got my diagnosis, I spent a lot of time inside. I just kind of um, shifted uh, what I was doing and stayed inside, and then. Um, you know, Matt is a natural outdoorsman, and um, and it just, you know, little by little, I would get start getting out and then be like, oh, this is so good for me to have this in my life. And and I think that a lot of people, um, you know, like especially with your, uh, I, I love, once I'm understanding more about the fly fishing, Matt was teaching me last time we were out, um, you know, how that, that the uh, the trout were hitting specific kind of flies because they were the ones mimicking the ones on the water, which would be different, um, you know, a different kind. And so he was going through his different flies And stuff, and I, and, I, and I, that was and the I first was really time I was really regretting
0: not having my tying kit with me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was complaining. I was like, "Man, I should bring my because I could have tied something that mimicked what was hatching right there on that lake at that time." And uh, I mean, fortunately, yeah. we still had we still had our lakeside fresh rainbow trout that I cooked up over a campfire. Absolutely. You know, we still got some. So wonderful. I, well, we would have had a few more. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you
1: um, fished in our area much? Because we you know we do have a lot of um, we, trout fishing and a little bit
0: here in the smokies.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, first of all, you know, Michelle, you know, I'll send some prayers down your way and I really hope oh, things improve you. with your kidney. So that that's really terrible to hear. I, I'm glad you're taking a positive spin. It seems like in trying to thank take you. advantage of everything yes. else. Yes. Yes. Trying to always. Yeah. And in regarding, um, I guess there, I heard a couple different things in there. First of all, yeah. um, Western North Carolina. Yes. No, I really, I wouldn't, I won't lie. I've not been Kind of I haven't spent a lot of time in that area. A little bit further north in Tennessee, I've fished a little bit through um, a lot of some beautiful streams there on yes, and, uh, and some of their still- tailwaters. Yes. So, so absolutely that section. Eastern Carolina, without a doubt, along the coast. I've done a lot of fishing in the Outer Banks area, a lot of fly fishing there, and we've had a lot of fun. I've been hearing about the Smokies and the fly fishing opportunities. I just have to i have to do it yeah, so things,
0: yes. you know one of the things too here is that you over the last 5 years you've seen a lot more commitment and organization not only from the private sector but governmentally as well you know we've got the we've got the trout trail um, that covers you know where they have organized things of like okay look here are here are the ten destinations for a three day trip here are you know and and here 's a two mile stretch of this creek or something, and they 're supported with stocking and everything so for the for the fishing um, tourism it's there but there 's so many wild waters there's so many headwaters mm-hmm. there 's so many you know it's it's never ending really and and i don't know if you saw the video but you know with the quarantine stuff the creek that's right at the base of the the mountain we live on we went down there and we were just trying to catch some creek chubs just to get some just to wet a line you know Um, but there's just so many fishing opportunities here but like you said all over you know i was in the military Mm -hmm. and i traveled a lot and one of the first things i always did wherever i landed was all right Let's meet some locals. Where's the local rod and gun club? I want to talk about fishing and I got to get out and experience a lot of great fishing, but also the techniques are so different from region to region. Maybe that's changing with social media. People are learning other areas of uh, techniques. It you,
2: is. You're you're right. It's strange. I mean, I mean, and let, let me first say I think what you're bringing up is a great point and it's the notion of awareness with what's what's available in the outdoors. So I love that you're, you know, the title of your show, you know, Matt and Michelle yeah. Outdoors. It is that's it. I mean, that's really the gist of it. It's making people aware. I don't want them to find the spots where I'm fishing, but I want them aware of other spots. So let's yeah. let's preface it with that. Yeah, we, we give
0: the county yeah. we're in. We don't
1: give yes. Where we're at. We don't give specific
2: locations. <laughs>
0: yeah, we locations. just give
2: a
1: county.
0: That's as, um, that's as no, but, narrow as we get.
1: And and, and and that's good. It's it's a good amount for people to get out. And yeah. No, no there's well,
2: and we're even noticing in you know in, in our area right now with everybody being confined, we're still allowed to go outside for recreational purposes. And, and that's con- that's deemed an essential activity right now in Pennsylvania. And so this weekend, it was kind of cold on Sunday. We decided we were going to go hiking for a little bit. And our typical hiking spots where you would t- you would see three to five cars at most ever there, yeah. every parking lot was full. Yes, we've cars. got that which, going on here. They've ended is, up closing a lot of the trails yeah. here because of that. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's really one of those those things where I love that aspect of it that it, we're kind of getting people more in tune with the stuff that we love. So I, mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. And now kind of, and where my, my you know, my trout and feather show kind of goes is try to go a little further, try to find that one area that no one else has explored or there, mm-hmm. there's not a ton of people exploring. So I've been kind of shifting people to that direction. And now I'll kind of tie this into to your last question, Matt. Whenever I was in Iceland fly fishing last year, where they they told me, you know, prior to going, that was my first trip there. They, they sent me an email with all of these Icelandic patterns to, to try out. So I, I had all these crazy patterns. I, I filled up an entire fly box with them, and I got there and we're fishing and I'm trying some of these patterns and I had some success, but just not as much. And I decided to put on some of my Pennsylvania patterns, and sure enough, they worked way better than the Icelandic patterns. Which huh. I said to my guide. I said his name was his name Sindri, and I was just talking to him yesterday. I said, Sindri, have you ever heard of this? This is, and I'm showing him this fly. And before I could even say the name, he's like, Oh yeah, that's a waltz worm. <laughs> you, and I'm like how do you know that the guy who created this is from central Pennsylvania in this uh, tiny town and he looks at me just like dumbfounded and he's, he's like, like Tim we have Instagram yeah. and I say, come on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like it's all right, global. So, yeah. so, it's yeah. global info. Absolutely. Yeah. So the the, <laughs> the notion of social media, I mean, aside from just connecting us, the spread of information has just been so valuable and it, which is a great thing.
0: Yeah, and and I want to go back to the awareness thing a little bit too, because it's one of the it's one of the spiritual components I think to our health and well being about being in the outdoors, uh, with fishing, hiking, camping, boating, all these different things. I think out of any of them, fly fishing is probably the one that requires the most the most attuned focus to the environment around you because you don't look yes. in your fly bag or your fly box you look at the water surface you look at the rocks you look at yeah. the 12 feet over the creek and you know there's a lot of things that you have to really tune into to look for how you approach a creek or a stream or a pond or something rather than looking in your tackle to figure out how you're going to approach it. <laughs> At least in my view, and I think from what I've watched of yours, I think you take a similar like, all right, you know, it's kind of Star Trek. All right, scan the <laughs> scan the yeah. planet here, you know, and That's and right. let let the natural environment around you guide what you do.
2: Well, and I I also kind of like to say with fly fishing, there are so many different avenues that you can take, and you can run whichever avenue you want. That's why. You know, if, I know people just love to fish, and if if you, what well, you're content with grabbing a Snoopy rod and casting out and sitting at a pond huh. watching a bobber and worms, that's awesome. Like, okay, go for it. I'm, I'm saying go for that. That's you're awesome. talking
1: about me. Stop. No, I'm not. I'm talking
2: about a lot of people. Who We're working on that. Out- yeah, they just enjoy being outside and just you know, in, in just having fun while they're also fishing. Fly fishing allows you, a lot, of, it allows you a, lot, a lot more in terms of these opportunities, mm-hmm. and it opens up these avenues because you can go as all in as you'd like where whenever we get to the water at times, we won't just go into our favorite fishing spot. We'll examine it. We'll say, you know, what's going on here? What's the depth of the mm-hmm. water? It's yeah. two feet versus three feet. Mm-hmm. Why would they be in a two-foot section? Well, maybe it's because it's warmer this time, or it's, it's really cold this time of year, but that water's a little shallower, so it warms faster, and those fish will want to be there eating insects. And that- things changed so much. Even last week, we were fishing in, a, in an area we did really well. Just phenomenal. There were some dry flies. Everything was great. We went back there uh, at the beginning of this week and nothing. I mean, it was just <laughs> yeah. like yeah. the fish disappeared and we just went down to a, a little run. The water was a little shallower, moving a little faster. All the insects were there and all the fish were too. And it's just, you have to kind of know that things change and that's why they call it fishing and not catching because mm-hmm. yeah. you have to change with things too. Yeah. And
1: really appreciate the art of it, the art of um, just communing with nature, and um, you know.
0: Yeah, you gotta kind of get in the it. flow of it. You know, with with tying flies, it's it's got every bit of artistic capabilities that you can develop yeah. as any jeweler. You know, and and it's it's an aspect that for me, I know I've been talking about it all winter. Yeah. Like I've got to get back into tying flies because I love it so much, and especially during quarantine time. I know there are some of our some of our listeners have let us know they are stocking up on every fly that you can imagine all the way through fall. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh, but you know, I'm looking at the time here, and uh, we're we're just about up on it, as they say. Um, but I wanted to give you a chance to not only do an invite for folks to get connected with you and Trout and Feather, but also talk about the Icelandic trip and what the status of that is, because I know you've invited people to come along on that trip this summer. Uh, what's the status of that?
2: Yeah, the, the Icelandic trip is one of those, I, I don't want to say it's a once-in-a-lifetime life, opportunity because I'm now going two summers in a row or I'm hoping to. Um, we're really still up in the air. that The trip is set to take place mid-July and we don't know how things are going. as of As of right now, the majority of people that have you know, committed to the trip and they made a deposit, they're still with us. Um, what's great about these types of hosted trips, and, and a hosted trip basically means we invite others to come along. We have a set number. It's typically between 8 and 10. Um, everything's taken care of. Uh, for basically one price if you can get there you know your airfare you have to cover on your own but once you get there it's guiding it's lodging it's food it's transportation it's your licensing everything you need is done and the fishing and and sites are just out of this world so Mm -hmm. i've I've been fortunate to take a lot of trips over the years and very rarely do i put together my own hosted trips because they have to really if i if i say to somebody it's going to cost this many thousands of dollars it better be worth it and this Mm -hmm. is one that's it's worth it 150 percent But now that other side of it is, we have to make sure you know it's healthy and it's it's safe to do that. So we're kind of on a you know wait and see pattern right now, where we're just making sure that things are going to be okay by mid July. Um, We don't know, and we don't want to put people into that that tough situation. The other side of it is, we are going with a lodge over there. They're called their name is Fish Partner, and they're not just a I don't want to say a run of the mill lodge, but it's one of those premium premium lodges. And because we've gone with them. They basically, they've said from the beginning if somebody doesn't feel comfortable coming, they want 100% get there. Deposit back, yeah, no great. questions, asked, I found which is people are you know, just so much, so nice. there's so
0: much kindness right now. People are yeah. really yeah. flexible. Everybody's going through this together. Um, what's the best way for, you know, either way, whether people are interested in the Iceland trip um, or not, I really want to encourage them to, uh, you know, get involved with Trout and Feather and follow what you're doing. It's really great stuff. Um, what is the best way to give the invite out to our listeners?
2: easiest way um, go to troutandfeather.com they can view all the fly tying videos there fly fishing videos i have a blogger who's on board now so he's going to be contributing some stuff as well Um, there's going to be tons more information more so than than it's already there and probably another neat little aspect that not as many know about when you get to troutandfeather.com if they scroll to the bottom insert their email address down there they'll receive monthly updates from me and that will kind of keep them up to date with things that are going on you know not just in my world but all around the fly fishing world
0: yeah, well, thank you very much uh, for joining us here on the program today. It's great to connect with uh, folks in other areas, um, you know, that are also involved in trying to get people outdoors and document how much of a blessing there is to be found in the cathedrals of nature. So, uh, 100%. Thank you Yeah, for that. Matt.
2: Yeah, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate you having me on and Michelle as well. And Michelle, again, I'll so be sending nice some to... prayers your thank
1: way. Thank you.
0: All right. Tim Camisa so Trout much. and Feather, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll, we've got more of Matt and Michelle Outdoors coming up right after this. Stay tuned.